Hey, thank you guys for being here today. It's always a, a great time of the week to come together as the family of God and to interact with one another, to encourage each other on the journey. Uh, an incredible time to be together. How many of you are excited that Jesus Christ is in your life? How many of you are excited what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life? You know, I don't know about you, but I am excited about what is coming in my life as uh, I've experienced uh, the love of God in my life and as we lean forward into what we're called to be in this life, and I know that you are too. God does great and mighty things in our life. We see it each and every day, and we want to lean into the blessing that God has for us in our life. It's an incredible time. Uh, to be following our risen Savior, to be a part of uh, his offering to you in your life of who you are called uh, to be in him. And we want to say welcome to our guests that are here today. Thanks for joining us and being a part of Crosspoint. Uh, we want you to also feel that story of Christ in your life, to lean into uh, that surrender idea saying, God, use me in your story how you see fit. I want to be a part of the excitement of who you are. And so we ask you to join us in that story. You can check the bulletin out for numerous ways to get it plugged in to telling that story right here at Crosspoint, and I hope that you will do that. We are at the very end of a series that we began a few weeks ago called DNA, and we've talked a little bit about the purpose of our life on earth. We know that we're called to look like and be like Jesus. Jesus has a certain character, a certain nature about him, and that DNA should also translate into our life. We should long to be everything that Jesus Christ is. And so as we look at his purpose, telling the story of the Father's love here on earth, that's our purpose. Uh, we're called to live intentionally in the lives of other people, to interact with them uh, selfless, selflessly, and to let them know about the hope they can have in Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about living generously. Uh, that we would open our lives up to those around us and live into their life as well. And today we're going to talk about living sacrificially. What does it mean to live a sacrificial type life? Because that's what Jesus did ultimately. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me so that we would have that great relationship with God the Father. Uh, and we are so ever grateful for what he has done for us. This morning, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, and so I hope you've got your Bibles, and we'll turn with me there. We'll be there in just a few minutes. All of our text will be on the screen, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, translation when we get there. You know, as, as I think about the life that we've been offered and what you and I do at times for a living, the places we go, the things we collect, as we think about all that I could be by the world standards, all the, the money I could have in my bank account, all the stuff I could have stuck in my garage, all of the, the friendships, so to speak, uh, the list goes on and on, the degrees on my wall, uh, none of that compares to what God wants to bless you with. God wants to deeply bless you in your life. And when you realize that that's part of the story, then you don't mind living that sacrificial life. You don't mind giving up some things for the story of Christ because you know that you will be blessed in return because you've made a decision to live life just like that. I mean, think about what a slave endures or a servant. That's kind of far-fetched in our current culture. But you and I, if we could think about that moment in time when maybe you've heard a story about a slave or seen a movie, those folks don't have even their own will. They don't own anything. They simply do what the master calls them to do. Whatever cost that means, that's what they do. Uh, and Paul starts off right away in Philippians chapter 1 as he speaks to the church in Philippi 
what that really looks like for him and his sidekick, Timothy. He says in verse 1, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Paul, right away, wants to make very clear, this is not my will. I'm not about myself, but I'm about living into who Jesus has called me to be. I want to follow him, and that may mean I give some things up along the way. If you'll remember, as we talked about the church in Philippi, they're under great persecution right now. Uh, Paul has given up his own freedom. He's under house arrest in Rome. He's chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. Four of those Roman guards circulate uh, on and off, uh, but he's always chained. He's always under arrest. He's given up who he is for the cause of Christ. The church in Philippi is also under great persecution. Yet even in their persecution, they're an encouragement. They've sent a letter to Paul. They've sent him uh, some financial help along the way. Even in their persecuted and very poor state, they want to live sacrificially. They want to live into who God's called them to be through Jesus Christ. And so we find out too in other moments of Paul's writing that This same church helped when the church in Jerusalem was down and out. They collected funds and sent them to that church. This was a church that didn't mind sacrifice. They wanted to give things up because that's the way Christ lived life, and they wanted to imitate him in every way. So this morning, I want to give you three different ideas of what sacrifice should mean to you in your life and the realities of following Jesus Christ as his disciple. And the very first thing is this, that sacrifice is really a partnership. That you and I can't do this thing alone, that we're called to live in community together, to journey together, to share with one another. Uh, We're called to journey as a partnership. Uh, The church in Philippi understands that, Paul understands that, and together they are working to share that message of hope that is Christ Jesus. I mean, look what Paul says beginning in verse 3. Paul says, every time I think of you, Philippians, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Paul calls them partners in the faith. We're working together to share the message of hope that is found only in Jesus Christ. And what we know through history and the letters is that the Philippian church was the first group of people to financially help Paul uh, in his missionary efforts. They wanted to partner with him as they thought about life outside of Philippi. But it's more than just money. So Why does he call them partners? Well, two different reasons. One, they are spiritual partners together. Paul says in that text, he says, I pray for you, and I know you pray for me. Spiritually speaking, we are in this thing together. I haven't forgot about you, and I know you haven't forgot about me. I carry your name in front of God each and every day as we journey together to be strengthened, to be encouraged. But not only are we spiritual partners, we're also financial partners. Because see, the church in Philippi realized it's more than just local work, but it's kingdom work. It's the idea that they value the message of Jesus Christ going out into the world, not just what's happening in Philippi. And so Paul realizes and knows that this partnership is absolutely necessary. That's why we, as the church, journey together. We need one another. Paul is clearly a preacher. 
But he also knows that there's other preaching going on from folks who are also claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ. And Paul, in this first chapter, mentions that to the church in Philippi. He says, look, there are some who are going to preach Jesus Christ who, uh, who are kind of jealous of where I am, my name, my reputation, and they're trying to kind of match that along the way. There are some who are preaching Jesus Christ who are in it for maybe financial reasons, maybe to try to get something on the side here. But there are also folks who are preaching this message of Jesus who have honest and sincere hearts, who truly are sacrificing for this cause. And he says in verse 18 of chapter 1, He says, but all that doesn't really matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Paul remembers his brothers and sisters in Philippi. We're in this thing together, and there are some others who are going about it maybe a different way than I'm doing it, but at the end of the day, we are spreading this message of hope that is Jesus Christ. We want everyone to understand the life that we're being called to, and it is so much more than you could ever attain on your own or by worldly standards. Paul is saying that if sacrifice becomes part of your DNA like it was with Jesus Christ, that God is going to take care of you. When you live that type of lifestyle where others are more important than you, God is going to bless that in multiple and various ways. You see, that sacrificial spirit happens within us when we realize that what we have in life is not really ours in the first place. When we realize that we've been blessed in multiple ways by our talents, Maybe you're great at carrying on a conversation. And so you're called then to maybe sit with somebody in a coffee shop and talk about how Jesus practically affects your life and then can affect their life. Maybe you've been great at financial wizarding. And so you make a point to use your gift sets to help other people come out of debt so they can focus their energies elsewhere. You've got a gift set that God's given you. You've got time maybe on your hands that you can use to head into the mission field or work with homeless down in Dallas, whatever it might be. You've got some gift sets and maybe you've been blessed with finances. And so you're willing to help others further the cause of that kingdom call in different and multiple ways. It's when we finally make a decision that, you know, everything that I am, everything that I have is not mine because it actually belongs to God. I'm simply stewarding it. And I want to live sacrificially like my Lord and Savior did. Moses mentions in Exodus chapter 23 this idea about first fruits. Moses says, as you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord, your God. It's a principle of life for those who who really want to follow God. God says, look, I want to bless you in multiple ways, but you've got to give me the first fruit of what's going on in your life. Your gift sets your time. Yes, your possession. All of that first fruit principle begins to become a blessing in your life when you live that way. Let's watch. Two men bring an offering to the Lord. 
one of the fruit of the ground, the other the firstborn of his flock. God accepts one and rejects the other. Why? Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The word tells us clearly that the offering Abel brought was the firstborn of his flock. But it doesn't say that Cain brought the first fruits of his crops. It simply says, in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. Cain harvested his crops and over time gathered enough to bring an offering. It was an offering on Cain's terms. God accepted Abel's offering because it was the first of his increase. Cain's offering was rejected because it wasn't the first of his. Giving the first to God requires faith. When a firstborn lamb is born in a flock, it's not possible to know how many more lambs that you might produce. But Abel gave his firstborn lamb in faith, whereas Cain made sure he had enough for himself before giving to God. Many of us treat God the same way as Cain, making sure we have enough money before we see if there's anything left for God. Even if we give from what's left over, God can't accept the offering because it's not the first fruit. Other stories emphasize this truth. In the account of the fall of Jericho, the Lord gave strict instructions that the Israelites were not to keep any of the spoils from Jericho. All of it belonged to him, the Lord declared. Jericho belonged to the Lord because it was the first city conquered in the Promised Land. It was the first fruits. God withheld his blessing from Israel when one man took some of the spoils for himself. The first belongs to God. There was much more at stake than money when Abraham offered his firstborn son Isaac. When God asked for his son, Abraham didn't wait to have ten sons before giving Isaac. He gave the first when he only had one to give. Abraham had only the promise of having more sons. It took faith for Abraham to offer Isaac, faith that God respected and blessed. And God did the same for us. He gave his first in the form of his son, his first and only begotten son, who was given to us while we were still sinners. God gave Jesus in faith that we might one day give our lives to him. The gift of his son, came before the blessing of our repentance and salvation. We give our first fruits in much the same way. Before we see the blessing of God, we give it in faith. Giving the first fruits of your income says to God, I recognize you first. I am putting you first in my life, and I trust you to take care of the rest. culture that lives in discontent. Our, our American culture is one that leans toward discontent. We lean toward self-indulgence rather than sacrifice, and we lean toward convenience rather than a commitment. I'm reminded of where I am personally in that realm every year about this time when I pull out the tax return from last year, when I take out the bank statements and all the receipts and try to figure out what I've spent on what last year before I get those taxes ready, and I see how self-indulgent I am all year long. 
What if I had held back on some eating out? What if I had held back on some spending? Could, could that have put another Bible in a school in Ukraine? Could it have helped an orphan with Compassion International? What could I have done had I decided to live sacrificially? West, uh, West Stafford at Compassion International says this, the opposite of poverty is not wealth, but it's enough. That you and I are going to make a decision in our life that we've got enough in God. We've got enough and we're going to live sacrificially. But in our culture, it's difficult to see that phrase used, that's enough. That's enough sugar. That's enough pie for now. Uh, That's enough money in my bank account. That's enough stuff accumulated in my garage. That's enough of that particular addiction in my life. Today, as Kale said, we've got the opportunity to be sacrificial in our giving. As we leave here, uh, some of our uh, young people will have the the blue buckets there. And again, that's for families right here at our congregation, right here in Grand Prairie, who have a need going on in their life. Maybe they've lost a job and they need money to feed the kids, or maybe they've uh, been in a transition and they need to pay some utility bills along the way. It's a way for us to say, you know what, sacrificially I'm going to help. Someone else, much like we've been helped. It's a partnership. But we realize also that sacrifice has a cost. Following Jesus Christ has a cost. It doesn't come free. There's a great example of this with King David in a story out of Second Samuel chapter 24. David does something that is against what God wants done and immediately he realizes where he went wrong and he wants to offer a new sacrifice to God and so he wants to build a new altar. He realizes there is some land available just outside of Jerusalem and he wants to go and purchase that land where there's a threshold, where there is a threshing floor, where there's a wine press and he wants to build an altar there to offer God and to say, I'm sorry for for the sin I've committed. So he goes there to talk to the landowner about purchasing this particular piece of land. And this is what the owner says of the land. He says, you're doing this for God. You're King David, king of all of Israel, which is God's people. You can have the land for free. And David says this in verse 24. But King David replied to Aronah, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present sacrifices to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the area. We are called in our life as we follow Jesus Christ to live sacrificially. What does your sacrifice cost you in your life? One of those questions that's a little painful as we hear it as we interpret it for ourselves. Recently, uh, several guys went over to the Hills Church and we participated in the men's conference. They had a comedian there by the name of Michael Jr., real funny guy. Uh, At one point in his uh, uh, moment, he he asked, who here owns an animal, owns a dog? And several hands went up. He noticed a 14-year-old guy close to the front and he said, oh, you own a dog? And he said, yes, I do. And he said, well, actually, probably your dad owns the dog you don't own the dog. He said, no, no, it's my dog. I own the dog. He said, well, let's clear it up. What, what's a bag of dog food cost? The 14-year-old didn't have an answer. He said, see, your dad owns the dog. You just get to play with it. <laughs> Sacrifice means it will cost you something. Paul says in verse 12, 
And, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Paul made a decision long ago that he was going to live sacrificially, generously, because of what God has done for him through Jesus Christ. Paul lives in these chains, and yet that doesn't stop him from telling the story about Jesus. His sacrifice creates opportunity for others to hear the message. You see, sacrifice really is about giving something up that you love for something that you love more. And I love Jesus Christ. I love him more. You and I don't mind sacrifice when it doesn't cost us anything. There are some folks I'm going to bring to your attention this morning. You'll know these people because they don't mind the sacrifice that happens in their life in order to share the message of hope to those around them. I think about Sam's Place, the orphanage that we've adopted in Kenya. Forty deaf orphans live there. They've got a staff that teaches them as well. And we love pouring into them. I encourage you to stop by and look at the table with all the pictures of their gifts that they received from you that you gave sacrificially as well. But Dawn, interpreting for us this morning, lives sacrificially to pour into those kids. She travels there with her own expense, gives her time and her talent. She doesn't mind living into the story of Jesus Christ. Or you think about Honduras, where some of us are going to go on mission this summer. The church in Campamento, we're going to pour into that church. We're going to love on their kids. We're going to help build some houses for them. It's going to be a great opportunity to, to live into that moment, the story of Christ revealing itself in that place. I don't know two people who love that place more than Liz Gomez and Mary De, Mary De La Garza. They sacrificially give up for the family that meets in Campamento or the Bridge Church that we partnered with recently. The Bridge attends to a lot of the homeless that live in the Dallas area. And they put on a Valentine's banquet for uh, many of the homeless women there, and several of you gave up your time, your talent, your energy, your money to go help let those ladies know that they're loved by God. Several of you help support our missions that buy Bibles that go to Eastern Europe. You give up your your money, your hard-earned money, to put Bibles in public schools in that place so those people in their own language can hear the story of Jesus Christ in their life. Or I think about Jeremy and Holly Harrison who work at Pioneer Bible Translators, creating the Word of God into languages that don't yet even know who Jesus Christ is. They give their time, their energy, their talent to make that happen. You see, sacrifice has a cost. But the folks we just mentioned believe it's absolutely worth it to share in the story of hope. And all of these stories didn't happen just overnight. No, it it takes a while. It's a journey when you're traveling with God, looking for those opportunities to interact in the places that God puts you. He's entrusted us with some powerful things that can help tell that story. I'm thinking about a story Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. 
He said there's a, a wealthy landowner that, that wanted to go and uh, check out the world. And so he, he had three hired guys and he wanted them to tend to the area, to take care of everything. And while he was gone, he gave one of those guys five bags of money. The second guy, he gave two bags of money. And the third guy, he gave one bag of money. And he said, I'm entrusting you with this. I want you to to live out what I've given you to do sacrificially. You'll take care of it. You'll, you'll produce. You'll, you'll be a part of my story right here. And so he left and then eventually came back and he sought out the first guy. And the first guy said, I've worked really hard. I've wanted to take advantage of the responsibility, the opportunity that you gave me. And so here are your five bags back plus five more bags of money. Awesome job. Thank you for not hiding what's going on in your life, that you were willing to share it with those around you, that you created an increase in that. Because you've taken responsibility for something small, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you more. He goes to this guy with the second, the the, the two bags. Same interaction. Here's the two bags that you gave me. I'm going to give you two more. You've got four bags now. Thank you so much for living out in my story. I've, I've given you a small responsibility and because you've taken care of that, I'm gonna give you more. I'm gonna bless you more because you've lived sacrificially. And then the guy with the one bag goes to him and he says, what about you? And he said, I know that you're a hard guy. I was scared about losing what you've given me. And so what I did is I dug a hole and I buried that money in it, covered it up, stood over the hole. I didn't share any of it. But right here it is. Here's the one bag you gave me. The landowner says, you could have at least put it in the bank. It would have at least gathered interest. I give you a small responsibility to share, to be sacrificial, to be generous in how you live, but yet you've decided to be selfish, to hold it within yourself. Take your one bag and give it to the guy that has 10. You see, God calls us to use what he's blessed us with to further his kingdom, to tell his story, to be excited about what God is doing in your life, to say, I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm not going to hoard it. I'm not going to put it in the garage and shut the door. No, I'm going to tell everyone what God has done for me. And we realize finally that sacrifice comes from a heart full of love, that we make a decision as God's people We're not holding it in. No, I'm going to share with everyone around me. I've I've got a good friend, Josh Ross, who's the preacher at the Sycamore View Church of Christ in Memphis, Tennessee. He's an Anglo guy. He's got beautiful children. But he sold everything he had to live into this idea. And he moved into a neighborhood in Memphis that most of us would not even want to be in because he wanted to live out the reality of who Jesus Christ is. He wanted to interact with that community. He wanted to sacrifice maybe some comfort to tell the story of Christ in new and unique ways. And so the question that we end with this morning is how far are you willing to go to show love to someone of a different skin color? How far are you willing to go to share love with someone of a different ethnicity or a different political view or a different gender or a different lifestyle or different sexual preference how far are you willing to go to share the love of Christ to all of those around you not withholding anything but sharing with everyone and maybe that will take on new and different ways for you maybe this year you will make a decision to have a cookout for your neighborhood free of charge come on over I want to get to know you maybe you'll find a neighborhood that you don't venture into very often and create a book exchange mailbox for the kids in that neighborhood. 
where they can come check a book out, put one back, get another one. Maybe you'll find a neighborhood that rarely has a snow cone truck in it. You'll hire that, go to that neighborhood, buy stuff for the kids in that neighborhood, let them see the love of Christ through you. Maybe you'll load up your purse or your pockets with rolls of quarters and go downtown to the local laundromat and just help folks who are getting by day to day do their laundry. Maybe this summer you'll make the effort to get involved with our youth group. Maybe to go to Camp Barnabas as a, as a chaperone, work with those students who go to that camp who are special needs, promise you'll get more out of it than they will. You can be a blessing to all those around you. What will you do this year to show love to all those that you come in contact with? How will you live out the gospel message sacrificially, denying your own comfort and convenience so that others might know the story of Christ? And that's the call this morning is that you and I would prayerfully consider what that would look like in our life. Paul finishes in this chapter or close to it in verse 20. He says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed and that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to live for Christ. I want to get all those barriers out of my way. Like Paul in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, church, he sacrificed everything for us. What will you sacrifice for him? That's the call. Change your DNA to resemble Christ. Be the story of hope to all those you come in contact with each and every day in your neighborhood, with your family, with your friends. It's our call and our opportunity to be loved to all those around us. I'm gonna invite Brad and praise team back to the stage at this time. Our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall. And as we sing this song, I wanna encourage you, if there's a barrier in your life, if there's something getting in your way of moving forward and that's telling that story of Jesus Christ, you'll go and ask for that prayer that that would be removed from you, that you would be able to free yourself up to live sacrificially, to live on purpose and intentionally into the life that God has given you. Let's stand together.